This episode is brought to you by Crimped. This is the best app I have seen when it comes to self-coached training for rock climbing. Crimped has dozens of workouts crafted by world-class climbers and coaches that focus on all different facets of climbing performance and training, including workouts to guide your outdoor climbing, which is right in line with today's episode. I just did a fun collaboration with the guys at Crimped, and now all of you can try my three favorite outdoor bouldering workouts right there in the Crimped app. We've got one called Steven's Outdoor Bouldering Warm-Up. That's my go-to warm-up on a bouldering day. We've got Steven's Outdoor Limit Bouldering, which will guide you through my approach to projecting hard boulders. And finally, we've got Steven's Outdoor Strength Bouldering which guides you through a strength-focused bouldering session. I've used that one a lot in Waco Tanks over the past few years with great results. And it's a great format for sending some of those second-tier boulders and building some strength out there on the rock. So check them out. Check out the Crimped app at crimped.com. That's C-R-I-M-P-D.com to get started. Download the Crimped app for free and type in Steven, S-T-E-V-E-N, into the search bar in the app to try my go-to outdoor workouts. That's crimped.com or find the Crimped app in the app store. Type Steven into the search and have fun out there on the boulders. This episode is also brought to you by Rhino Skin Solutions. These guys are my go-to when it comes to taking care of my skin and my go-to products are as follows. I love the repair cream. That's the one I use the most. The performance cream and the dry spray. I use those when I am climbing in warm or humid conditions. I have naturally sweaty skin. I find the performance cream and dry spray super helpful when I'm sport climbing, especially because it's really taxing to stop and chalk up when you're climbing a hard, steep, pumpy sport climb. Whether you have naturally sweaty skin like me or dry, glassy skin, maybe you're one of those people who's on the other end of the spectrum, Rhino Skin Solutions has products that are designed just for you and your skin type. So check it out. If you want to level up your skin game, head over to rhinoskinsolutions.com and enter code NUGGET at checkout for 20% off your next order. That's rhinoskinsolutions.com. Use code NUGGET at checkout for 20% off and start taking better care of your precious skin today. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the Nugget Climbing Podcast uh, Fundamental Series. This is not your host, Stephen Dimmitt. This is Jesse Firestone, but I am here with Stephen Dimmitt. Today, we're talking about how to structure your climbing year. Steve, you had a banner year in 2021. You sent your first V11, and then you sent two more V11s. So that's pretty good. Um, Thank you. What made that year so good, and how did 2022 compare? <laughs> um, thank you. First of all, 2021 was my best year of bouldering for sure. Yeah. And I think I'm appreciating that more and more as time goes on, <clears throat> which is kind of a fun thing. I'm going to answer your second question first. 2022 has been unsuccessful compared to 2021. And I, I you know, I'm aware as I say that out loud that it's not all about the send and it's not all about sending a new grade and, and having those kind of standout milestones in your climbing career. That's not, those aren't necessarily the things that make a year great, right? right. I've learned a lot this year. 
Um, I've invested a lot in in some things that really stretched me to grow, and I don't think I would necessarily change much. But yeah, 2022 has been a lot less successful than 2021, and it is because I didn't structure my year in as um, thoughtful a way. Like mm. I, I didn't line things up, and that's something that I'm. I have a lot of tips around. I think in this conversation is 2021. It just I just lined things up really well without even necessarily really meaning to. But you know, summer and fall specifically, um, I had wrapped up some sport climbing in the spring, and then I had a six week training block. Steve Mache was helping me, and I just climbed on a board basically for for six weeks had a week off, a little deload, went to Rocky Mountain National Park and was planning to just be there for a couple of weeks and just loved it. Just got immersed in it and had like this really natural progression of starting with a few weeks of getting acclimated to the altitude and the style and just falling in love with the area and doing a bunch of really fun moderates and feeling really confident and having that confidence grow. And then leading that into, oh, there's some really cool hard things here that I want to invest some time in. So let's give that a try. And I, I changed my sport climbing plans or canceled my sport climbing plans rather for the fall and just stayed in Rocky for two months. That's cool. Um, and then kind of rode that wave and came back to Leavenworth. Uh, so I did my first two V11s in, in Rocky and then came back to Leavenworth and did another one that I tried over the summer. So... <laughs> um, it's kind of a mix of good planning, but also a little bit of like nurturing your motivation. Yes, a, a mix of both of those, but I think the main takeaway from that chapter and, and those two seasons is kind of my main theme that I want to talk about in today's uh, episode, which is the focus tends to produce ex excellence thing. You know, that's a Tom Randall quote um, from one of our podcasts together that I want to talk about later as well. And that's that's a perfect example of how that played out or how that can play out. I just gave myself enough time, you know, mm -hmm. to to kind of prepare and then to ease in and transition and then to peak and perform and kind of ride that wave. In 2022, I think I've just bounced around too much gotcha. and I, my preparation hasn't matched the thing that I then went and, and did. You know, for example, I had a really successful block of training this summer, probably more successful than last year, but then I went to Tensleep for six weeks and it just didn't really feel like any of the training applied. You right. know, um, I spent a whole month just feeling like a sport climber again. And it was a fun trip. And I sent a lot of, um, you know, for me, kind of moderates to, to semi-hard routes. And it was, it was great. And then I was hoping I could combine the two, you know, the training over the summer with the fitness from 10 Sleep and come back to, to St. George and try to climb a 514. And it just, you know, it didn't, work it wasn't that the right well. mix. it wasn't the right mix yeah so um i think the the theme is just kind of a little bit too much almost too much variety or too much switching to you know at, at too quick of a rate between bouldering training and sport climbing and then a different style of sport climbing right not really getting that consistency that i personally need to really reach a peak performance yeah that makes sense yeah uh, it's uh i think it's important to notice this is kind of close to one of my tips, but um, to notice something like that, like, okay, I did I did this board climbing phase and then I went to 10 sleep and had like a sport phase and then I went on like a sport projecting kind of trip and that didn't work like ABC. So like, what, what would I change? You know, would I change out one of those blocks or change out both of those blocks next time? Like, it's kind of important to learn from those mistakes mm -hmm. 
And I guess that sounds obvious, but that's like basically what we're talking about today is trying some, some set of things in a certain order and then kind of figuring out if that order was, you know, got you the results that you wanted to get. And then hopefully in future seasons and future years, totally putting it, putting it together in a way that works. So like, now, you know, it might be better to go to Rocky after that board climbing phase, you know, mm -hmm. if, if you want to boulder. And then if you want to go do this project in St. George, you need some other different approach. Right. Then right. You can kind of be creative and figure out what that is. Exactly. And, and when I think back, the same thing's true with, you know, sport climbing. Um, when I think back to my two 13 Ds, all of my climbing leading up to that was sport climbing. And if I was training, it was, you know, a couple month break to level up my strength after like a year of sport climbing. And I was able to apply that to my projects pretty quickly. Yeah. But it took a month or two of sport climbing again to really bring all that together. And I was living at Smith and climbing almost exclusively in one style. So yeah, that's the theme for me is, um, you know, and, and every, every single person is different. You don't have to plan your entire year around one thing, but, um, but that's a big takeaway for me personally is if I want to do something really hard and level up, I really need to plan my, at least a big chunk of my year around that and line everything up. Yeah. And probably a more general takeaway from that is, is it's just that making raw strength gains, it's a lot easier to apply those to bouldering, I think, than it is to apply them to sport climbing. Yeah. Just because there's so much more between the strength and the application to the wall in sport climbing than there tends to be in bouldering. In like really high end bouldering, that's less true. But, you know, for the majority of the bell curve, if you go get strong in the weight room, it's going to come back to bouldering a little bit easier than it's going to come back to sport climbing. So that may Yeah, or even on the hangboard or, or moonboard, I think, too. Yeah, to an extent, for sure. To an extent. Yeah. What about you? It seems like you're... It seems like 2022 was a really standout year for you. And we can talk about, you know, we're, we're recording this on January 7th and we can talk about the last <laughs> week as well. Um, but does it feel like a standout year for you? And what would you attribute that to, if so? I think I sort of changed my whole philosophy a few years ago and I started really focusing on the things that seemed really important and building my whole year around that. So that's like why I find this topic so interesting. So I chased very different things in 2022 than I did in 2021. And I consider them both to be like super amazing years of climbing for me, but just for different reasons. Like 2021, I did those two highballs that we talked about on the, the main nugget episode. 2022 was more just about like hard climbing for me. And I got to expose myself to like a level of bouldering that I haven't tried as much um, in the last few years. I just haven't been projecting that much. And it was successful on paper. I'm like really happy with what I did, but also you know, Instagram doesn't get to see the like, whatever, 15 sessions where I like didn't send the thing or whatever. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So there was a lot of that in 2022 too. And that kind of colors my perception of it. Mm. But on paper, it was a great year. I matched my PB red point and I matched my PB flash, which for me is really good. Yeah, It's hard to hit the next grade at a certain point. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. <laughs> yeah, so matching is like just as good as hitting the next, I mean, I'll be like over the moon if I hit the next grade, but I'm very happy to match it. Nice, so. yeah, that's awesome. Uh, for people that are listening that haven't been following Jesse on Instagram, he flashed Free Willy here in Waco, a really badass and kind of standout V10 in the area a couple of few days ago. When was that? Uh, yeah, yeah, a few days ago. Yeah, congrats, man. Thank you. Yeah, I climbed it so smoothly, so well. It was really fun to see. I know that it doesn't that doesn't count as 2022, but in my head, it's <laughs> it's part. Or I guess it's just like a really good start to 2023. Nice. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I wanted I want to ask you this because that's 
you just kind of gave us this, you know, you dangled this really enticing carrot. Um, if you had to really briefly, like in a sentence, summarize how you changed your approach a few years ago, hmm. how, would, how would you describe what you were doing before versus now? What changed? Fear of death made me take opportunity cost very seriously. <laughs> okay. You said a sentence. So. <laughs> <laughs> you just can't try everything on your list. I realized mm. at a certain point, the list of things I wanted to try was way, way longer than I was ever going to get to. And I started seriously going like, what is the one thing I want to do this season? Mm. What is the one thing I want to do next season? You got way more focused. Yeah. Way, yeah. And I love that Tom Randall quote that you dropped earlier, because I think that totally applies. I basically, in 2021, I always have physical goals. I think that's legit. But in 2021, I was like, I'm going to do what turned out to be the monk. And I'm going to do what turned out to be imposter syndrome. Every other thing I did was like, something that I came across and decided to try to do. But the only two things that I like dedicated myself and my training to were really those two highballs. That's mm. like all I cared about. 2022, I was basically like, I'm going to try to climb V12 this year. That's mm. what I'm going to try to do. And that's what I tried to do. Got it. And I mean, I put quite a bit of work into climbing V13 as well. Gotcha. So, that's awesome. But that wasn't like a on paper goal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For people that want to hear more about the monk and imposter syndrome, those two highballs that Jesse did, Definitely go back and check out his full episode if you haven't. I believe it's episode 126, right around there, if that's not quite right. And um, yeah, I'll link to it in the episode description for this Fundamentals episode. Tips. Tips. Should we dive in? How many tips do you have, Jesse? Uh, I've, I've got three and then a short one. Okay. So three and a half. I've got five tips and three pitfalls. So right. I will kick things off here. Uh, first tip for how to structure your climbing year. This is super obvious, but a lot of people don't do it. Write out a rough plan for your year. I think structure, that's... Structure your climbing year. Structure your climbing year. <laughs> Just write it down. Just do it. Brainstorm it. It can be on a, you know, in a little notebook. Um, it can be messy. It doesn't need to be perfect. You don't need to stick to it either. I think that's something that keeps people from doing this is feeling like, well, this is gonna be too restrictive, too robotic, it's not gonna leave room for spontaneity and for listening to my motivation. Mm -hmm. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about planning out every, you know, all 52 weeks of your year. I'm talking about just taking a calendar or writing out the months and really roughly kind of drafting out chunks of time. You know, when, when are you gonna have an off season? When are you gonna have time off? Are you gonna have full time off? When is that going to fit in? Um, are you going to have an off season where you're more focused on strength training or base training or kind of addressing some of those, those weaknesses that aren't getting addressed during the rest of your climbing season, periods of fun or volume climbing, periods where you want to perform really well? Do you have a trip on your calendar? Just get some of those basic building blocks or, or blocks into place. Mm -hmm. And then just seeing that visually can be so helpful when you start to think about how things lead into one another, um, yep. how are you going to build up towards that peak performance or towards that trip, things like that. So I have a um, a Google Sheet that I like as a template that I use, and I can give I can give you a link so you can share it. Oh, perfect. Notes for this, it's yeah. a it's basically like each row is a is a week, and then you can kind of work backwards. Like you know, you put the data in for whenever you want the year to start. It could be January first or whatever, and then you just sort of work backwards. Of like, I know I'm going to take these weeks off. I know I'm going to be in Kolymnos in this week or whatever, you know. And you can kind of fill in from there, like what phase you want to be in and all that stuff. Um, hopefully, after this conversation, it'll be it'll make a little bit of sense how to use that. But I'm happy to share it 
uh, just so people have an idea of how I do it with my clients. Nice. But even just a whiteboard or like brainstorming would be fine. And you don't have to do a whole year. You can just do a couple months at a time. Mm-hmm. It's nice to, I think it's nice to do a year just because that's how humans plan things. <laughs> but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, even planning a few months ahead will get you really far. Mm-hmm. Totally. And again, like the most obvious way to do that is to start with, start with the, you know, the prime season at your local crag and kind of plan around that working backwards or the trip that you're going on or the competition or whatever it is. Yeah. I think that's a good way to structure. Yeah. It's pretty similar to my first tip. So I'll just kind of add some of my bullet points here. You don't have to plan out every week. You just want to figure out the major phases. Um, like definitely, you know, don't try to lock down like every training hour for the, even, even in like the next month, you don't need to know every single hour of training that you're going to do. You know, that's okay. You definitely don't need the whole next season, right? It's okay to work like one or two weeks at a time, as long as you generally know what it is you're trying to work on and like what stuff you're going to be doing. Um, I think adding too much detail too early doesn't leave room for things to go sideways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you can, you can color in the rest as you go, basically. So nice. You should do another one because because I have fewer than you. Okay. My second tip, this happens at the end of the year. Um, I really like to do this over the holidays as I'm kind of getting into the next year. Um, Reflect and take notes. I think that's probably even more important than planning your year is reflecting on the last year and taking notes and really giving yourself some time and space to think down, think about and write down what went well, what didn't go well um, from this past year. And you can do that however you want to do it. You can do it by season, by month. Um, But another thing I'll say with that, I used to do this religiously. I don't have to do it as much anymore because my entire life is now documented via the podcast. (laughs) It makes it a lot easier to go back and and kind of... It's not um, very searchable though. Right, but I can kind of remember like, okay, when I was talking... Anyway, yeah. Um, (laughs) I don't do it as much anymore, but I still do it. I still find it really valuable. And one thing that I've learned is um, really long, detailed, cumbersome notes aren't that helpful. Mm. So you can write them all out. You can write a paragraph, whatever you want to do, but then take another chunk of time to sit and reflect on those. Try to distill things down to what worked, what went well, what didn't go well. And then summarize it in bullet points Mm -hmm. that are really, really concise and really easy for your future self to come back and review and get some value out of. Totally. Yeah, I think the the way I think about it is the more specific the information is that you're trying to save for later, the more detailed you want your notes to be. So if if it's like you try to boulder and you're going to write down like information about the moves, you know, or like what methods you tried or how, you know, I need to remember to bring this other shoe or it goes in the shade at 130 or whatever all that details are really useful for that boulder. But in terms of like thinking about your climbing as a whole and the year and stuff, yeah, you don't really want more than a sentence for a given day. Mm-hmm. And even just, even if it's just like tired, you know, if you scroll through like several days and it's like tired, tired, felt tired today, yeah, you know, kind of felt sick, like, okay, things are going off the rails. Like it's time to, you know, whatever you were training at that point wasn't really working. Right. I mean, something I would even do is, was, um, you know, look over the course of my year and then make myself like no more than 10 bullet points. You know, for example, I kind of tried training this way over the summer. Hmm. This thing seemed to work well. Do this again. Mm-hmm. You know, I took the time to build fitness and spend time on rock before I tried to send my 13D project. Do that again. That went well or whatever it is, you know. Nice. Um, 
just some of those like really actionable kind of global takeaways, those big lessons learned. I think that's really helpful. Yeah. The, so I have a very similar tip, which is to keep a daily journal. And this, I talk about this on every podcast appearance. Um, that's just, it's just important for being a functional human, but it's really important for being a functional climber, I think, because you just lose so much, or at least I lose a lot of stuff if I don't write it down, it just disappears. And I think it's true of a lot of other people too. So sometimes the climbers I work with, they don't have like their own journal, but as we start working together, they start filling out the system that I use for their workouts and stuff. And then now suddenly they have something they can look back on. So some of the people I've been working with for like over a year, they have like tons of information about what they were training and how it felt, mm -hmm. you know, and they still have access to all that stuff. I think that's super useful. Um, and then a few other things I do try to sit down like every season, especially like after a pretty intense phase, if I'm going to a rest period and I know I'm gonna be sitting around wishing I was still climbing, I'll, uh, I'll like go back through all my notes for that season and kind of try to put together like a, an idea of, of what I did right and what I did wrong, you know? Mm. So like I'm wrapping up six weeks in Waco. Um, I'm definitely gonna like take notes on what I would do next time, you know, for my skin and my fatigue and work capacity and the things that, that I noticed uh, and then mm. I would try to bring to the table next year a little bit more prepared. Yeah. Uh, and then one other thing that goes with that is I, I really like to celebrate my successes. And maybe this is part of why I feel like all my years have been good years lately. I'm not sure. But at the end of the year, I sit down and I try to figure out what my top 10 climbing experiences were of that year. Oh, and they I don't have that. to be sends. They That's could be great. like, on this day, I went to like a new crag with my friends and I climbed like a bunch of sweet moderates, you know, yeah. like sometimes that's a top 10 for me. So maybe that's why I feel like really po like positive. And Did wholesome. you just do that for 2020? Just a few days ago. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. I really like that. I'm going to do that. Yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's, a, it's a totally worthwhile experience, especially if you climb outside a lot, because part of what makes me feel so good about it is how hard it is to narrow it down to 10. Mm. I like look through my logbook and I'm like, whoa, damn, like I did a lot of cool stuff this year. Mm. You know, if you climb outside a lot, you might be shocked at how many things you've done. Um, maybe that's just me. I like mileage. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. I want to ask a couple of questions touching on some of the things that you, that you just shared. The journaling thing. I think that's great. I agree with that completely. Um, I'm just asking this coming from a place of noticing or, or thinking about the pain points that I've ran into over the years of journaling. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it feels like I'm writing the same thing every day. Sometimes I get bogged down thinking like, am I ever actually gonna come back and look at this? It's overwhelming to think of coming back and looking through all this stuff. What do you try to include? Um, how do you focus the daily journaling in a way that makes it feel helpful, useful, productive? I uh, just, I don't worry about it. Okay. Yeah, I just write stuff down. Sometimes it's more, sometimes it's less. Sometimes I skip a week. Okay, it's fine. If I go, if I go back to look at what was going on and I skip that week, it's like fine. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not that big of a deal. Um, Do you go back and review periodically? Yeah, like once a season, I go back and I look at all the notes I took. Okay, and if I if so, like if I'm really busy with climbing, like I have been here, right? The days are pretty long and you're pretty taxed, and I'm like working too, so. Um, if I notice that I haven't done it in like a week, I kind of make a mental note like, okay, I need to sit down and write down those days before I forget. Mm. Even if it's just like, okay, I had a big day on West mm -hmm. and then we took a rest day and we like went out to a new taco restaurant. Next day, my stomach felt kind of weird in the morning. Mm -hmm. I had a big day on North, felt kind of terrible. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, that that could be, if, if I'm doing it retroactively, that might be all it is, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I don't, I don't, 
I don't think I worry about it too much. I, I sort of just let it be intuitive. Okay. You know? Cool. When it comes to actual training, then I'm writing down my sets and reps and load mm -hmm, and stuff. Mm -hmm. But that's a different, that's not a journal. Yeah. That's your like training log. It's kind of funny as you were, when you said journal, I was like, oh man, I've really gotten away from that. But then as you're, as you just shared everything that you just shared just now, I was like, what am I talking about? I, I keep a training log all the time. You yeah. know, it's not a journal. I don't sit down and write in a notebook or, or anything, but um, something I've been doing for the last couple of years, this works really well for me because I, I don't like have I don't like the feeling of being obligated to write a bunch of stuff every day. I yeah. don't know where that feeling comes from. It's obviously coming from myself, but um, having a physical journal just feels like one more thing on my to-do list. And I don't like mm. that. What I've done, which I really enjoy, and I'm, I'm continuing to do this, I think it came from that first interview with Steve Mesh that I did um, like a year and a half ago, but I just keep a calendar. So I have a Excel sheet where I just plug in a you know free calendar template, and then I just fill in the days with what I did. And so within the cell of that day, it's a really brief note. Hmm. But then if I want to add all the specifics, I just add like a, you know, how you can add a note a on, comment on Google Sheets. Yeah. A comment, yeah, exactly. And just write as much as I want to there, sets and reps and things like that. And then this is the part that's been really helpful. Then if it's a climbing or training day, I color that cell either green or red. Hmm. And that way... Christmas. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's, it's Steve's plus minus thing. I have oh, to, God, I I have to it. give okay. it either like... Oh, I thought you were saying like climbing was green and training was red or something. I understand now. Yeah, okay. and, yeah. So if it's... <laughs> if I, a dumbass. No, you're fine. If I did some sort of training or climbing... It's either a plus day, meaning it went well, I felt good, I you know performed well, whether that was a new PR or felt stronger or climbed well on the project, even if I didn't do it, whatever it is, um, just felt good, performed well at whatever it was. That's a green day. If I felt kind of trashed, run down, that's a red day. Right. And you know, rest days are white. I just leave them okay. colorless. And then being able to just see that visual. Like yeah. if I have two weeks of mostly reds, I'm like, oh, that I fucked up there. Let's back up a week or two and see what I was doing leading up to that. Oh, I wasn't taking any rest days or not enough rest days or whatever it is. It's, um, it's funny that, that I didn't understand what you're saying because I do the same thing with my clients. It's just, <laughs> yeah. it's just one to five and I have like a formula that colors it like on a green to of red course gradient. <laughs> <laughs> amazing yeah. yeah and i do the same thing for my uh when i'm when i'm like weight training and stuff i'll do mm. the same thing but when i'm out here in a place like this i don't but I, I will share one more minor thing on the while we're talking about journaling forever um which evidently is an important part of structuring a year because we're talking so. about it a lot yeah um i use google keep and i don't know what that is it's like a notes app okay and you can just create notes and then it's just very searchable and indexable. You can like hashtag things and you can search for like keywords or hashtags. So I just use hashtag log and I write the day's date in there. That's like the title of every note. So today would be like 1723 mm. hashtag log. And then when I want to scroll back through, if I just look at the log hashtag, I have all my notes in like reverse chronological order. Mm. So I can just scroll down until I'm wherever, which now that I've been doing this for a while, I have to scroll pretty far. I should probably start tagging the year. Um, but uh, you can also search for a specific date. And I think that's, it's it's sort of nice for the logging thing, but it's really nice if you have an injury or a tweak because 
I tend to get the same little tweaks over and over. And something mm. that's reassuring to me is to go back to the last time it happened and look at the number of days before I was like back to normal. Mm. Just be like, oh, nice. it's, yeah, it took me like five days to get over this last time. I'm going to be fine. Mm. Which maybe that's like a... <laughs> no, that makes yeah. perfect sense. Yeah. yeah. It helps. Great. It helps my anxiety for sure. Mm -hmm. All right. Nice. Uh, next tip. Uh, my turn again. Okay. Tip number three for me is give yourself time to transition between disciplines if you are a climber who enjoys pursuing multiple disciplines. That's definitely a big reason why 2022 was not as successful as 2021 for me. Mm -hmm. um, 2021, I spent a lot more time bouldering. I did some sport climbing, but it was kind of here and there and mostly focused in the spring. And 2022, I tried to bounce back and forth between them a little bit more frequently and that just didn't work very well. Yeah. So a big, a big lesson for me in 2022 is that it takes me like three to four weeks if I haven't been sport climbing to feel like a sport climber again um, or to ramp up to, you know, trying a V11 if I haven't been, been bouldering outside consistently. Mm -hmm. And if you only plan a six week chunk, that just doesn't give you any time to like actually throw down and do the thing. So um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm still thinking about how to kind of process all that and carry that into 2023. But to give people an example, um, we're talking in early January, I'm planning to be in Waco for another month. And then rather than going back to St. George right before my project comes into condition, I'm going to go there a month early, early and have a whole month to climb in the hurricane and get some fitness and try to send some 513s and build that momentum Smart. and then try the hard thing. And then going into the summer, I'll have a training block and then uh, crossing my fingers here, hopefully a trip to Rocklands, which I'm very excited about. And then carry that, all of that volume and doing tons of new climbs, hopefully in Rocklands, um, carry all of that bouldering fitness into trying a V12 in the park in September when conditions are really good. That's kind of, I'm, I'm not sure yet, but that's how I'm thinking about the summer and fall already for 2023. Um, and kind of lining things up. So yeah, yeah. it's a, it's at this moment that I'd like to acknowledge how lucky we are when we get yes. to think about things yes, like totally. using Rocklands. As it's a, probably nauseating for a lot of you. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've dedicated our lives to this. I don't feel bad about it necessarily, but yeah. we are lucky. We are lucky. Yeah. Not everyone can can do this, but I mean, you can do you can think about your climbing the same way if you're in the gym. Totally. You know, 48 weeks a year or whatever it is yeah um, i mean the the important thing that you said I, i'm sorry to like have you know jumped on you the important thing that you fine. said was you're taking something that you're going to gain from one phase and you're going to try to use it in the next phase yes and that doesn't have to be labeled with whatever the energy system is that you expect to be training in that time mm -hmm. you know it's more than just now i'm going to do capacity now i'm going to do strength now i'm going to work on my you know, like power endurance you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. There's a lot more going on than just that. Right. Primarily the skills that you're focused on. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I can go on that rant later. Yeah, well, for yeah, for me, that's that's a perfect, you're, you're spot on. For me, it's like, I need a month to spend time on slippery, intimidating, overhanging limestone mm -hmm. to go into my really intimidating, overhanging, slippery limestone project. <laughs> so, um, and, and there's so many, there's so many more things than energy systems going on there, like you said. So yeah, to to say the tip again, give yourself time to transition between disciplines. I think that's really important. And we will be right back. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Let's talk about therapy. Have you tried therapy? 
It's fucking awesome. I go to therapy twice a month through BetterHelp, and it's super, super helpful. I have a lot of supportive people in my life, but nothing beats sitting down and talking with a professional who is there for no other reason than to listen and to help. It's the best. I would literally pay twice as much for therapy. And I'm actually paying full price for therapy right now, despite them being a sponsor of the podcast, uh, which I just realized I should look into that. Therapy is all about deepening your self-awareness and understanding, because sometimes we don't know what we want or why we react the way we do until we talk through things. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist who can take you on that journey of self-discovery from wherever you are. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge and without any awkwardness. It's super easy. Discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com nugget today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot nugget. This episode is also brought to you by Element, spelled L-M-N-T. Element is a tasty electrolyte drink mix with everything you need and nothing you don't. I started taking Element a few years ago because I had cleaned up my diet and started following a mostly paleo approach and I stopped eating processed foods. And I felt so much better as a result, but the one thing I wasn't getting enough of when I cut out processed foods was electrolytes. Sometimes I would get muscle cramps, and have trouble sleeping. And I listened to a podcast that made me think, I might be low on electrolytes. So I tried Element, and adding just one packet of Element per day to my daily routine made the cramps go away, I started sleeping like a baby, and I felt great. Plus, it's super tasty. I really enjoy it. It makes me drink more water in general. It's great. Right now, Element is offering you guys, my dear listeners, a free sample pack with any purchase. That's eight single-serving packets free with any order of Element. That's a great way to try all eight flavors or to share Element with a friend. My favorite flavors are the watermelon salt. That's my go-to right now. Citrus salt is super good as well. And I also love mango chili. When I want a little kick, that one really hits the spot. Super tasty. Get yours at drinkelement.com slash nugget. This deal is only available through my link. So again, go to drinklmnt.com slash nugget to get your free sample pack with any purchase. Drinkelement.com slash nugget. And now back to the show. All right, I'm going to phrase my next tip as a question because I think that it will jive with what you just said. A question for me? Yeah, so my next tip is, I'm not going to phrase it as a question, but I'll ask you a question. My next tip is to write down three things that you want to work on to be prepared for each phase. So knowing that you're going to go into that line, I know you're <clears> going to give yourself time, so you're, you're going to have a month there to, to start climbing on slippery limestone. So what are the three skills that you're going to like think about the most? during that mm. phase? Yeah, good question. And I suggest no more than three. Because mm -hmm. really, like, there should be a few things that are really important to whatever your project is, totally. right? Totally. And as soon as you start working on, like, six things, eight things, ten things, like, suddenly you're kind of stuck at all of them. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, in a sense, I only have, like, two. That's, that's like, even better. Yeah, the, the main two are... Maybe, maybe there's a couple of things here, but just get that comfort back with trying to red point 
hard, steep limestone sport routes. Yeah. You know, it's, it's that, it, there's so many things that are included in that, but that's the thing that kind of summarizes all of it, right? Comfort it's, with that like emotional pressure of red pointing? Yeah, the physical and the emotional. Okay. You know, it's sure. like spending more time in overhanging terrain on pretty good holds. Yeah. It's, um, See, I think that's very different from bouldering, right? A, that's a perfect example of what I'm talking about because then now you know you, it's not something you need to go to the gym and train. Right. What actually matters is spending time on the, the exact like terrain that you're, mm -hmm. terrain that you're trying to work on. <laughs> so let's say that. So that's number one is mm -hmm. spending time in overhanging sport climbing terrain um, and getting comfortable with that. Number two is practicing red pointing, mm -hmm. which I haven't done much of in a sport climbing context. Or I should say which I haven't done much of in St. George in quite a while. Cause last spring I just tried Joe Exotic the whole season basically. Okay. Um, this is a tangent, but I think it's, I think it might be helpful for people listening. So I've talked ad nauseum about pyramids on the show. That's mm -hmm. something Steve Mace and I have talked about a lot. I found it really helpful to, to map out a pyramid of climbs um, that are recent, that are relevant to your current climbing. But something I just did actually the other day, and it was really illuminating, was, okay, I'm going to make a pyramid for the St. George area specifically, yeah. because none of my Smith Rock experience really applies all that well. And, um, and other areas do too. So this is kind of an interesting way to think about it. You know, you could do like steep overhanging limestone and make a pyramid for that because rifle is kind of relevant, right? But I just wanted to know, like, how much stuff have I actually sent in St. George, you know, slash Vegas? And um, I made a pyramid of that. And it was really eye-opening. Like, I'm trying to climb 514 in this area. And I've climbed, like, three 13Bs and, like, seven or eight 13As yeah. and a bunch of 512s. And I was like, holy shit, I really haven't solidified that 13-plus grade or even really 13B yeah. in this style. And... It's helpful to think about it that way. It helps inform what I want to spend time doing to ramp up and some of those, you know, like I'd probably get a ton of motivation and um, confidence from doing a 13C or two again, maybe trying a 13D. Um, but more than that, it's like, wow. You know, when I hit the road and started the podcast and all that, I thought of myself as a 13D climber in this sense because I had all this experience at Smith and I've done however many um, 513s, but but I was like a 13A climber coming to St. George for the first time. So I've actually made a lot more progress than I've been giving myself credit for. Mm -hmm. So anyway, <clears throat> um, yeah, that's that's something that's been helpful. But anyway, I'm way off track. So number one, get more comfortable in overhanging terrain to answer your question. Number two, practice red pointing. Number three, maintain some of the steep bouldery strength while I'm doing that. Gotcha. So that's just like once a week in the gym, you know, maybe hit the moon board a little bit, maybe just do some hard finger training. Um, keep it short. Don't let that take away from the main thing, but right. just kind of keep that ticking over so it doesn't backslide too far. Because I know that going into Joe Exotic, like I need to be pretty damn comfortable climbing that V8 crux in the middle of the route. Yeah, right? you gotta be strong too. You can't right. spend that month getting really comfortable and like let your power drop off. So that, that makes sense for that to be one of the three for yeah. sure. Yeah, I think it's a useful exercise. And I don't know if you were going to start listing more things, but almost always when I ask people, like oh, they're going on a trip and I'm like, what are the three things that are most important? They start, they list like 
eight, you know, because <laughs> it's really hard to pick what yeah. the things are that matter the most. I mean, it's such a complicated sport, right? But you have to trust a little bit that some of those other things will fall into place, you know, and just sort of like have them in the back of the mind, but, but really like focus on these things that are the core things. And I think that's something where structuring your year, you're going to get used to this. When you plan that stuff out, you're going to get used to like, did that work? Do I need to change one of the things that I focused on? So for totally. me, like, I know what I was thinking about coming to Waco. Now I know next year, like how I'll tweak that a little bit. So I think that's really, really helpful. Um, you got another one? I do. So yeah, let me, let me scroll here. I'll say, I know that we're not talking about making a training plan, but I, I feel like this fits in and there's nowhere else for it to go in this season. So I just need to get it in here. Your training should really support your climbing. And this kind of gels with what we were just talking about, you know, about how like, rather than training your power endurance, you're going to think about like climbing on the wall on roots and, and getting pumped because that skill is like more important and you will automatically work on your power endurance a little bit. Just if, if 90% of your year is training blocks, then the skills you're working on are mostly training skills, right? You need to leave, leave space in your year and in your training for actual climbing. You mm -hmm. should be dedicating most of your attention to actual climbing. And so if your plan is like, I'm going to do these deadlifts and I'm going to do this finger training and I'm going to do this like shit with a kettlebell or whatever, if that's what you're planning out for your year, you're not really thinking about your climbing a whole lot. So like get the climbing piece and the climbing intent on there. And if your intent for the phase is to get stronger, that's great. Then you can go in later and fill in the detail of like what barbell thing you're going to do. But the intent of the phase should be you want to be a stronger climber. That's mostly going to be climbing, right? The barbell thing is going to be secondary to that. Mm. And I think it's important that, that the way you think about structuring your year reflect that reality. Something that's incredibly important in, in all kinds of uh, in all kinds of sport and definitely in strength training and definitely in, in bouldering and sport climbing is intent. Like what is the, what is in your mind when you're doing the thing? And I think training that intent starts with like knowing sort of what phase you're in and what you're trying to actually accomplish. You know, if like, you, you know, I'm glad the first thing that popped to your mind for St. George was get that like red pointing brain, right? Because that's an intent thing. I would say mm -hmm. that like switch mm -hmm. flip when you're about to leave the ground is, is intent for sure. Um, yeah, I see, I, I troll Reddit, you know, the Climb Harder Reddit all the time and constantly see people on there ask the question, um, like, please review my training plan. Mm. And it's just always like, Mondays, I'm going to do these exercises. Tuesdays, I'm going to do these exercises. Wednesdays, I'm going to rest. Thursday, I'm going to do... It's a list of exercises. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, but like, what, tell me about your actual rock climbing mm. skills. Are What are you doing in them, you know? Right. <laughs> And yeah, I know that's like slightly tangential to how to structure your climbing year, but I think it's incredibly important. Totally. Yeah. And I mean, you can bring that same intent to the gym if that's all you have for chunks of the year, you know, like you can have, it's so valuable to have days where you're trying to practice like you play that whole thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think just, just flip, flip the coin a little bit. So it's on the other side, like instead of thinking I'm going to do back squats so that I can take more falls off of boulders, think. I need to get better at falling off of boulders so I will do some squats in the gym or whatever mm. thing is that you're going to do. Put the right? climbing first. Put the climbing part first yeah. and, and let the training be informed by that. Don't do it backwards. That's great. It'll help you from doing a bunch of random bullshit that's not going to make you money. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> I laugh because I've done a lot of random bullshit <laughs> over the course of my climbing career. 
Um, Do you have okay. one more? I've got two more. Yeah. Okay, two more. Actually, right. this is perfect because they're they're kind of. I'll I'll do them back to back because they kind of connect. They very much connect. Uh, my fourth tip: if you want to hit a peak performance, set aside three months to build toward that goal. That's a very arbitrary number. Um, it doesn't have to be three months, but the point is set aside a significant chunk of time to build towards that goal. Um, and you know, there's there's so many, there's so much we could talk about as far as how to increase the specificity and and kind of hone in on the thing that you need to do and how to analyze the thing that you need to do and what makes it hard. Um, so with this, again, this is the Tom Randall thing. Focus tends to produce excellence. I think that's so smart and I see it play out time and time again in the people that I interview. They all do this. Um, and they might focus on different things at different parts of the year, but if they wanna do something really hard for them, they plan around it and they set aside a big chunk of time to work mm -hmm. towards that thing. So then my fifth tip is if you haven't already, and this is a plug for myself, <laughs> go back and listen to my follow-up with Tom Randall. Um, I will link to it right here for this episode, but it's probably one of the most helpful episodes I've ever put out, full stop, if you want to improve at climbing. It was all about how to program your training. Tom was on fire that day. It was so, it was such a good conversation. He was so helpful the way he showed up in that conversation. And there was just a ton of really good stuff in there. So nice. yeah, definitely check that out. And become a patron so you can listen to the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think I remember that one. I think it was a good one. Yeah. So yeah, that's all my tips. Do you have I got four pitfalls. Four pitfalls. Okay. You should go first. Okay. Well, uh, the the most obvious and common pitfall that I see as a coach is um, people are just winging it. Mm. I, I think I just mentioned this before we started recording, but like I'm I'm kind of shocked at how often it's like a novel concept to people that they they plan out their year ahead of time a little bit. I'm not sure why that is, but it seems to be something people don't do. So it's a thing because my first pitfall is not having a plan. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, and again, it's like, it's really easy to, to want to overfill it with detail. And that makes it very like anxiety inducing, you know, to try to put a plan together, but you could do this in an hour. It doesn't need to be like, you don't need to go into crazy depth. Just sit right. down and be like, what am I doing then? What have been, okay. Oh, well, clearly I need to rest somewhere in here, you know, because mm -hmm. if you don't have some kind of plan, and we said this in, in the original episode, it's going to be 24, 7, 365 limit rock climbing. <laughs> and it's not going to work super well. Mm -hmm. Most people figure this out a few years into their career, you kind of have to have peaks and valleys. It's a lot easier to kind of plan them out a little bit than mm -hmm. it is to have them hit you in the face. If you will have peaks and valleys, and if you do not plan them out, they will happen to you. Yeah. You'll get sick, you'll get injured. Yeah. They, they just happen. You can't consistently be peaking all no, no one can all athletic performance is a sine wave right so when you have these like incredible athletes who seem to just always be hitting it always on fire they're just timing when they're trying to do amazing stuff with their peaks and they're just getting the timing really good there mm. are always valleys right they're just usually off screen mm. and it's easy to forget that totally so yeah and, and that applies to, to normal joes too nice sure you just shared this, but one thing I'll throw in there again is that um, sitting down and planning out your year, you don't have, you're not a slave to this plan by any means. It's just helpful to do the exercise. You can change it, you can tweak it and keep coming back to the plan, you know, just, but, yeah. but thinking about things with that intention, I think is the key here. So now, now you got one of mine, one of my pitfalls. Oh, really? Which is not rolling with the punches. There we go. Yeah. Let's do it. 
in in life and definitely in getting better at climbing shit is a hundred percent absolutely guaranteed gonna go sideways like things will go wrong you'll get hurt half of rocky mountain will fall down the mountainside <laughs> and you will not get to go there in this season like that shit happens and you'll have to figure out something else it doesn't mean that you shouldn't have some kind of plan it just means you need to be ready to deal with it so the the mistake that i see is something didn't work out in these two weeks or this month therefore scrap the whole thing mm -hmm. and like to, or like i tweaked my finger fuck like my climbing is over forever mm -hmm. right you know what i mean yeah no it's okay like just get back adjust the plan figure out how to make it work like yeah i guess just don't don't underestimate how easy it is to come back from something like an injury or to adjust your plans and and like find a better thing that you could be doing with your time um yeah you have to see through as much of the experiment as you can i think in order to get value out of it mm -hmm. so nice Okay, I already shared my first one, not having a plan. Uh, my second pitfall is not taking notes or not summarizing your notes in a way that's actually useful. Um, because I've, I've done that. I've done a lot of note taking that was just so comprehensive that I went back and looked at it a year later and I was like, I'm tired just looking at this. I don't want to read it. <laughs> I don't want to read all this shit. And that's when I made that shift. I'm like, okay, I need to make when I do this, I need to make things really concise so I can actually look back and have really quick takeaways that pop out at me. Yeah. So. I, I wonder if all these like journal recommendations make it sound like we're both really like anal, super like detailed. I'm not at all. Meticulous. Yeah, I'm not either. This is yeah. just a habit thing. Right. And like I said, if you, if you miss a week or two, it's really not a big deal. But like do it in a way that makes it easy for you, for sure. Totally. It's just more about having the habit. Yeah. Yep. Nice. Okay, um, next one. Mm -hmm. um, not taking a rest phase somewhere, especially if you're uh, in the master's category, I guess, is a nice, <laughs> nice way to put it. Um, I would say like one to two weeks, one to two times a year, depending. Full rest? It doesn't have to be full rest, but I recommend having something else in your life be the priority at that time. So like, I'm in Waco, I've been here, I'm absolutely haggard, we're going home, like, Day after tomorrow um and the next two weeks are like a rest phase for me uh, i'm probably going to climb on the board a little bit but it's going to be like a short session i'm not going to go for it you know and i'm tired so it's going to be easy to not go for it i have all these other things to catch up on i want to like spend time with my fiance and my dog and like watch some movies i'm going to like put other things first before climbing and that'll make it easy to, to mm. not climb too much yeah some people do like fully no climbing and i think that's you know the easiest thing is to just time it with life stuff or a holiday, mm -hmm. stuff like that. Sometimes I'll like go see music for a few days and that makes it, I'll always just book that as my like rest. I'm like, oh, I'll just nice. rest two days before I leave and two days when I get back and boom, that's a week of rest. Like, mm. you know, or 10 days of rest. Easy peasy. Nice. My... Oh, sorry, one more thing on that before you start. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. I want to emphasize Climbing all the V2s in the gym does not count as resting. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, totally. You have to, you can't scale back the intensity and then dial up the volume. You have right. to scale, it all has to come down. Yeah, and I want to say something there too. Something that I've tried and, and botched um, repeatedly many, many times is trying to apply this, you know, weight training philosophy to climbing and saying, well, it's a deload week. I'm going to go... 50% volume and keep the intensity high. Mm -hmm. That's really fucking hard to do when you're climbing because mm -hmm. climbing is just so much more haphazard. And, and it's fun. And it's fun. And I, whenever I've tried to do that, maybe I 
keep the session shorter, but I just rapid fire the thing. I just make the mm. density way too high. Or you, you trick yourself I, to yeah, get away with exactly. it. Exactly. I find okay. some sneaky way to kind of get around it. And I'm trying to convince myself that I'm that I'm doing the thing. But um, hmm. you know, I tried to do it in Waco last year. There was like two different deload weeks where I was like, well, I'll just go on this tour and like try this thing a little bit. And I just won't try it very many times. But you pay money, you get out there, you hike all your shit out there, you have all the pads, people are psyched. Yeah. It's really fucking hard to do that when yeah. you're at the boulder. So um, and That's even cool. like a even a six hour climbing day where you don't climb very much is still like a pretty damn big day most yeah, of the time. Yeah, I pretty much did that today. I'm yeah, I'm exhausted. <laughs> yeah, totally. I I, yeah. I want to go further down the rabbit hole and share a tip that's totally unrelated to the main subject. But um, Great. if you really want to keep a session short, so if it's like your rest week or deload week or something, and you're like trying to reduce the amount of time that you're in the gym, just make some kind of plan for something else after the gym. Mm. Go to your partner and be like, do you want to have dinner tonight at 6.30 or 7 p.m. or whatever? And then you're going to be in the gym. You're going to be like, no, I guess I can't try it anymore because I got to pack my shit and go. Otherwise, mm. my wife will be pissed at me. <laughs> it works really well. Nice. Yeah. It's very effective. Yeah. Yeah. If you have some, if you're, if you're like planning to go get tacos or to watch a movie or whatever, you know, you have a reason to get out of the gym. People who have like infinite time, those are the people who need the most discipline. Mm. People who have limited time, they... It's just easier for them. I mean, yeah, like that's just, why dads get so strong. This week and yeah. that's why dads get and, so strong. And moms, of course. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Constraints, the power of constraints. Um, yeah. I, I've learned that I just don't need to stress it with the deload weeks. Like, don't worry about keeping the intensity high. You're not going to backslide in one week. I just, yeah. I just think it's not worth overdoing it, not worth risking overdoing it. Sure. So these days, I just really try to chill the fuck out. And if I go climbing, I'm like, I'm like you said, I'm relaxing and not climbing that much and I'm keeping it to like V2. Yeah. And just enjoying like the movement on rock or the views or the conversations or whatever. So, yeah, that's great. Yeah. That's most of the reason that I don't recommend full stop climbing and I wouldn't do that for myself is I know that my friends and roommates are going to be climbing on the board in the garage. So I want to be there. They're my friends. <laughs> mm -hmm. no. So I know I'll climb a little bit. Okay. My final pitfall is bouncing around too often. And this is a lesson that um, I seem to be having a hard time learning. <laughs> um, it's hard. It's really hard to balance different disciplines and climb well in two different two different uh, facets of the sport, let alone more than two. For example, bouldering and sport climbing. It's hard to feel like you're a good boulderer and sport climber if you're bouncing between them too often, I find. Um, I don't know if this is just me or if this is just something that I've learned that makes sense and is relevant for everybody, but I think it feels a lot better to have, you know, three to four month chunks of each thing and alternate between those and have three or four different chunks in a year or even two six month focused chunks versus doing a month of this and a month of that. Um, yeah, and that could even be that could even, that doesn't necessarily even have to be disciplines. That could be styles of climbing. That could be rock types. That could mm -hmm. be crags. There's mm -hmm. so much value in the variety there. But I have noticed that really good climbers who are performing well, are they tend, they tend to really be all in on the thing that they're doing for a while yeah. while they're doing it. And it's, you know, it's more that they will focus for a few months and then switch modes and go to this other crag and focus there for a few months. But they're not just flitting around between things all the time. So. Yeah, I think that makes sense. My my last pitfall is is kind of similar to that actually. 
but it's a different, it's like tweaked. So my pitfall is uh, putting all of your time or effort or conditions into whatever the like limit thing is and forgetting to like give yourself, like throw yourself a bone every once in a while. Mm. So like, I'm sure that when you're in St. George, like ramping up in that one month period, you know, part of the goal there is to, to send some stuff that's below your limit. And like, hopefully those are fun routes. Oh yeah. And you don't yeah. lose sight of like enjoying your climbing. Totally. Something that I, I, I find myself having to like walk clients back sometimes from like, they really want the goal. And I'm like, we'll set some time somewhere in there to like enjoy rock climbing. Mm -hmm. Cause projecting is savage. You know, mm -hmm. and I know that I probably fall pretty far to the side of like having good experiences versus projecting these days. I probably spend three quarters of my year just chasing like, you know, 90% instead of 95% or whatever. Mm. Um, and then a quarter of the year on the like limit stuff. And and some people probably are like the opposite of that. You know, they're like 75, 25 the other way. But um, don't be like a hundred percent limit all the time. Mm. I, I think it's really hard to get good that way. And I think people get burned out that way. It's easier to get hurt that way. And if you bake it into your year, if you're like, this is the chunk of the, you know, if you live near a major climbing area and you have cool things to do, like bake it into your year. You're like, I'm going to have my project phase. I'm going to take a one week rest. Maybe it's starting to get warm in like late spring. And I'm going to go out and I'm going to do all those sick highballs that I keep talking about. And I haven't set time aside for, you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's too hot for your project maybe anyway or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. So you could like keep hammering those moves as it gets warmer and warmer. Yeah. Or you could just in your plan, acknowledge that it's going to happen and like make space to go do something fun instead. Yeah. I think it's really valuable. That's great. I mean, I don't know about you, but those, when I do pivot to that, those tend to be some of the more memorable chapters of my year. Yeah, that's why I started doing it most of the year. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, huh. yeah, and I'm a better, like I'm a that. better climber for it. I'm progressing. Mm. Like that's the progression zone. I think that's the easy thing to lose sight of. It's right, like, right, right. everybody loves a limit send, but and you learn a lot from those, but it does, it's not as easy to turn around and put it right back into your climbing, at least for me. Mm -hmm. I learn way more operating like just below, mm -hmm. below my limit. And then you can just, you just keep doing stuff. Yeah, you just get Everybody to send lots of things. starts to see you as the person who sends stuff and that feels good. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I'm done. I, that's all my pitfalls. I just have the the summary. Do you have any more? Uh, I, I don't, no. I'm done. Okay. Sweet. Well, let's uh, let's wrap this one up. Um, to summarize, or to share my my top tips, um, I have a tie again, just like last time. So I have a tie for first place. First one is make a plan and take notes. That's super simple. That's but it, that's already two. I know. I know. I cheated. <laughs> <laughs> they go hand in hand. Um, there's just so much value there. Yeah. There's there's no right or wrong way. Just if you do that, you're already on your way. And then if you want all the nitty gritty details about how to do that, my second one is go back and listen to my follow-up with Tom Randall. Nice. Um, yeah, great. very valuable episode. And I, I highly recommend that one as far as programming your training. So nice. Yeah. All right. Mine is um, focused on the stuff that matters. No more than three. No more than three major goals in a year. No more than three major things you're going to try to train in a phase. Mm. Keep it really constrained and focused on the stuff that matters. And if you miss something and it turns out that it really mattered get it right next time it's okay but just keep the list short nice have you already done this for 2023 no it's kind of a rabbit hole uh but i'm not setting any goals for 2023 oh right right you did tell me that yeah. okay yeah. um retroactively 2022 did you have three goals for the year uh 
Did I, I think I only had two. Okay. Hold on a second. Let me pull it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So my I had two main two goals in 2022. What were they? Uh, to put five sessions into V13. That's a great goal. Yeah. Nice. Process goal, and then to climb the tornado. And you did you did both? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. It was a good year. Good work. Yeah. Thanks. I had uh, some other stuff for like you know my you know hangs and shit like that, but those are the main two. Yeah, those are the great. The hangs and all that stuff doesn't really count because I don't really care that much. Mm. <laughs> and that's why I realized that that I'm not going to set any of those for 2023. Mm. I'm like, my fingers get stronger every year whether I set an ambitious goal or not. So mm. it, just, it doesn't matter. Wow. Yeah. Awesome. Just keep training. Well, thanks, Jesse. Thank you, sir. This has been really fun. This has been super fun. Yeah. And as always, when I sit down and, and bring intention to conversations like this, I learn a lot, um, both from from my guest, from from you in this case, and also from myself, just, you know, being forced to kind of consolidate ideas and articulate them. And um, I think the structure of putting things into a few tips and a few pitfalls was really helpful yeah. for me. So yeah, maybe we really can do like it. a little a little uh, fundamentals debrief. Okay. Because I learned a lot too. Yeah. I actually kind of, I'm excited to get these like typed out. Yeah. On a list. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be too. a useful cheat sheet. Yeah, that'll be great. Let's cool. do it. I'll yeah. put that in the show notes. I'll find a place to to give that to you guys. Thank you all for listening. And please let us know what you have thought of these fundamental episodes of this first series of fundamentals. It's been really fun for us. Um, hope it's been helpful for all of you, regardless of what difficulty level you're climbing at or what your goals are, what you're doing. And if you want us to do more of them, we have, like I said last time, a whole bunch of topics written down for a season two. So we have a potential season two coming with another six fundamental episodes that are much more focused around training, um, how to start finger training, how to climb on a board, how to start lifting, lifting weights, how to rehab, not rehab, but how to recover psychologically from an injury and get back to climbing hard um, and a couple other ideas as well. So yeah. yeah, if you guys, if that sounds exciting, if you want more, let us know. Um, we probably won't do them right away. We'll we'll just. Are you coming to Waco next year? I'm coming to Waco next year. I think I'm coming to Waco next year. Should we just do yearly fundamentals? I think so. Series? I think this is I, where I like we. It. Yeah, this I is like where it. we meet and, and uh, get better at climbing and talk about it. So, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Let us know what you think. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next time. See ya.